Hello and welcome to Viva Pod Vegas. Oh, thank you very much for listening. This is episode 11, Kid Galahad from 1962. I'm Joey Lewandowski. Ding, ding, ding. And I'm Mike Manzi. Mike, we are still in 1962. So, okay, side note. On Twitter right now, as we record this, Mark Hoffmeyer, the host of Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, also now Conair, the podcast, he and I did a Nicolas Cage draft, a, a movie draft. Okay. And I'm destroying him in a way that I did not think was going to happen. I mean, I like to think that I'm a Nicolas Cage expert, but still, like, I thought he was going to win this anyway. I was looking at the list of movies. It was live action since 2010. Yeah. And there's like 46 Nicolas Cage movies. Or maybe like a few that are animated, so maybe say 44-ish. Okay, okay. But I was like, that's so many. But I'm looking here now, and you know, Elvis, last movie, Fell of the Dreams in 62, this is 62, the next movie's in 62, so like, we're all about Cage doing crazy, like four movies a year for the last decade, or whatever. E, as we've talked about before, he did mm-hmm. 30 movies in like 14 years, yeah. or whatever, right? So Yeah, yeah, he was a, work, a workhorse. Yeah, I think maybe Cage saw that and took some inspiration. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned Con Air, because when we get later into the show, I had a Con Air moment for okay. sure okay. that I want to mention. And there's definitely another Cage connection I mean, there's, my big thing to one of the things that we've talked about on this network is this is this is the closest I think Elvis might ever get to Dom Toretto. He's just like, I want to yep. fix cars. I'm like, okay. I definitely thought of that, too. I was like, Elvis Fast and Furious style. So Kid Galahad, 1962. As we talked about, this is a remake of a movie from 1937, I think. I have that number somewhere. Mm. I don't know. But that, that couldn't ar- be a musical, could it? I don't think. Is this a musical? No. We were told, <laughs> I'm going to keep bringing up this, we were sold a bill of goods. Every movie from here on out is going to be musical. That's the Colonel style. We got snow jobbed. I got there. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to skip ahead. There's, there's a bit of a trivia here. That there's two colonels in this movie? No, 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 Okay. No. Cause there's two guys that look like Colonel. At this point in his career, Elvis had a proven sales track record. Get ready for this. Okay. Up to 300 demos were often submitted for a single film. Whoa. As the plots for these films became interchangeable, songs rejected for one could be later used for an entirely different film, as with a whistling tune, which was meant for the last movie, Follow That Dream, but found a place here instead. It certainly did. Because these these songs are not musical in that they're propelling the plot. They're just Elvis singing a song. Exactly. Like, I was hoping them to be like, you know, West Side Story. Like, you know, we're actually, yeah, like you say, like character development, plot development, all that. Uh, you know, not to show my hand too early, but like these all kind of feel like the same song for the most part. And I was a little bummed about that. It's oh boy. Uh, so the original, the 1937 one was directed by Michael Curtiz. OK, that Elvis, that was his favorite director. And he wanted to bring him back for this, but they couldn't get him. So they got a guy. So here's this is the thing I told you last night. That was the craziest thing. Okay. But I can't believe that I remembered. Right. So this was directed by Phil Carlson who directed Kansas City Confidential. That's his most popular film on Letterboxd in terms of thing. Do you know the name Phil, Carl- Phil Carlson? It doesn't ring a bell, but you're probably going to jog Kansas City Confidential, Walking Tall. Oh, yeah, one, Walking Tall. And The Wrecking Crew. Do you know what The yes. Wrecking Crew is? Yes. Hold on a sec. I know this. Because so I, I had this exact same thing last night. Tell me, tell me, tell me. The Wrecking Crew is, is the his... Sharon Tate movie that she goes to see in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. She's like, I'm yeah. in this. They're like, you're in this. Right, okay, okay. She sees The Wrecking Crew. With uh, Dean Martin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like this guy Weird. who directed this movie directed the movie that they recreated in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's wild. That that for some reason gives me like uh, Richard Lester vibes. I don't know why. <laughs> 
I mean, because I feel like I've seen more older movies than most people our age just because I've seen more movies than most. But, like, I haven't seen a ton. So, I'm like, why do I know The Wrecking Crew? That's cool what, trivia. Where do I know this name from? Oh, because Margot Robbie, as Sharon Tate, goes to see it in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, I was like, okay, pretty cool. So, there's something about this movie that I can't believe we didn't find out or wasn't it never came up or I can be I knew never knew this before turning the movie on but Charles fucking Bronson yeah. is in this movie yeah, yeah, yeah. that was the big shock to me did that's you, huge trivia did you see the other one I don't think he has a big role because he's uncredited did you see the person who has his film debut in this movie was it Kurt Russell because I know he's in an Elvis movie somewhere Ed Asner Ed Asner no kidding okay Ed Asner in here as Frank Gerson I wasn't sure if Kurt Russell was a kid at the you know, 4th of July fair. No, I don't think he's in this one, because I think, when was he born? Kurt Russell was born in 1951. Oh, so he would have been 11 here. We might have missed him. I don't know. Hold on. No, there's no way that we missed There's some story that he, because he plays Elvis at some point, and there's a story he tells about, like, Elvis, like, maybe he stepped on his foot or something by accident. I can't remember. Something cute. He was in It Happened at the World's Fair, which is in 1963, which is in... For us, oh, it's two movies from now. After the cool. next one, which we're going to sort of preview at the end of this episode, the next one is the Kurt Russell one. It happened at the World's Fair. So we're getting close. Nice. We also, I guess, have to do all the Elvis things. Like, I don't know if we're going to do, like, true romance where Val Kilmer plays Elvis for, like, you know. I'll say this. I'll say maybe. this. You know, I'm very pleased and surprised by our following at the moment. And oh, we if, have another uh, podcast review I just and sent if, you. Yeah. If anybody would like to... You know, do some Patreon exclusive episodes. I'll do like those sort of. We didn't uh, have a Patreon for this. If you well, kick we'll in- set one up. We'll kick, you know, whatever. If, does does the network have one? Just write a note. This if, is for Elvis, and we'll maybe do a shut extra, it down or there's episode. A, I don't know. I don't think so. So so on Apple Podcasts, which is the best place. Somebody also gave us one star, which I'm just like, man, what do you? Or another person, maybe, maybe two people gave us. I get if you don't like this, whatever. But why can't go? Why can't give something a one star? Whatever. Anyway. Um, from Siglacius95, fun banter and interesting information. I fell down an Elvis rabbit hole after watching the Boz Lerman movie and wanted to know more about the icon since he was way before my time. I always knew of Elvis and his references in pop culture, especially his connection to Las Vegas, but anything beyond that drew a bit of a blank for me. The movie could touch on so much, and the, this podcast fills in the gap of those curious about his movie career. What you talking about? It's like the movie's just like, yeah. Boz is just like, mm, he was a bunch of movies. And we're like, hey, we're focused on that. <laughs> I like how each episode dives into the plots and roles he played in all of his different films and what was going on in his life during the making of it. The trivia is very interesting and sheds a light on a lot of Elvis lore you hear. I find myself laughing out loud quite a bit, all right, with all the jokes and references listed along the way. If you're curious about Elvis's career in cinema or just curious about his life and want to know more about him, I'm not sure if we do that letter thing. This is definitely a fun pad- podcast for you. Well, thank you, Siglacius. Thank you. Thank you very much. But, you know, after we watch all the Elvis movies, if there is a demand, I'll keep going. It's up to, it's up sure. to you, you know. Because, again, we do like one of these a month and we still have like 20 movies. So this is still yeah. two years from being done but yes and that's in in addition to the concert films which are not on my list as it is so anyway okay Okay. michael curtis also directed king creole so i was wanted him back and i don't think we're gonna get that topped oh wow opening weekend this came in ninth in the box office not great do you Uh, have what it 37th overall that year do you have any idea what was like top movie that year right now let's see 1962 I think I don't know if I told you on here or just maybe not. I don't know if I told you at all, but on Bananas for Bonanza, every episode they talk about an episode of Bonanza. Dalton Wilcox, played by Andy Daly, is just like, what do you think the number one movie in the country was? And it's uh-huh. always Ben Hur because Ben Hur was number one for like a year or something, <laughs> right? Um, 
Oh, okay. Ben Hur. No. <laughs> no, who is in this version of it? Hold on. Yeah, this is. The, I guess it's the version of it, but the uh, the Music Man was number oh. one, and it was number one for five weeks in a row. All right, seventy six trombones and I guess right it here came in River City back because there was a movie called Okay, so. West Side Story came out that year. That wow. was number one for about a month. And then a movie called Moon Pilot was number one for a week. Never heard of it. And then West Side Story for another two months. And then The Touch of Mink, don't know what that is, was about for a month. Then The Music Man for a week. Then That Touch of Mink again. Then The Wonderful World of the Brothers Grimm. Oh, that's so funny you mentioned that. I just bought that on Blu-ray, Rest- Restored. Okay. It's an incredible movie. Yeah, that that's, that's a Cinerama. So it's like the super extra okay. wide screen. Okay. I used to only have a Region 2 crappy With Barbara DVD Eden, or... Rust Hamlin. All right, yeah, cool. Rust Hamlin. It's, that's amazing. So that was number one for a week. And then the week this came out, The Music Man reclaimed it for five weeks. And then later on that year, we would have The Manchurian Candidate and Mutiny on the Bounty. But this, you know, there's a handful mm-hmm. of still pretty big movies yeah. that year. But this did hey. not do really well at the box office we had no music man we'd have no monorail episode of the simpsons so thankful for that (laughs) Uh, a deleted opening scene for this movie showed elvis stealing a pint of milk i guess they deemed that too offensive or Mm, that they didn't want to portray him as a criminal he's kind of homeless a bum in this like i thought for sure he's gonna fall off the back of that truck that had to have been like a trivia of some kind (laughs) like Elvis fell off the truck three times, but wanted to keep going. He's just sitting on the back of that Mayflower moving truck, just going to Cream Valley, which I will talk about Cream Valley. Um, White Cream Valley. <laughs> real life boxer turned actor Sailor Vincent, which Sailor Ripley, maybe, hmm. had a small role as the fight corner man. He also had a small role in another movie called The Wagon's Roll at Night, which was apparently based on the same novel this is based on, which seems crazy to me. Weird. So they made like, more than oh, never mind. <laughs> they, well, they made Kid Galahad and they remade it, and they also made another movie based on this, which seems wild. Why? Yeah, because this is for a career in films that are not necessarily plot driven. This is the thinnest plot we've had yet. This is. This I can't is, wait to talk about this. This is barely a movie. It's what, but it's what made it. I thought what made it kind of fun or more fun than other stuff. But you know, like I think this movie's been. This must be favorite of a lot of people because I got a lot of Rocky out of this too. Well, they they call him, they call him Rocky in this movie at one yeah. point, right? Yeah. So, um, the only other trivia that I have about this is that former light welterweight world champion Mushy Callahan trained Elvis to be a boxer in this movie. He appears in the film as a referee. Was actually a professional boxing referee for long after he retired as a fighter. According to him, he threw all the punches, meaning he didn't hit, in the close-up scenes with Elvis when he struck in the face. He taught Elvis how to move his head backwards as the punches were being delivered so that each blow either missed him or barely touched him. Hmm. He said Elvis was an excellent athlete. Elvis sells it so well because it just looks like he's getting the shit beat out of him. And it it looks real. (laughs) I I mean, it's comical at one point where it's like Homer Simpson. At one point, you know, with that episode where he just keeps yes. getting hit in the face and then finally the guy's too tired, so he throws a punch and well, knocks him out. It's the Muhammad Ali rope dope Like, that's just what, but like, is Muhammad Ali would like. But Muhammad Ali would dodge and well, That's move. the thing. Like, the rope dope is, the idea is you just tire your opponent out and mm. then you like, you outlast your opponent. You don't take every single shot without blocking. <laughs> By the end of the movie, Elvis becomes like an actual boxer and yes. like is dodging and blocking it's and cool. stuff like that. But like. The first fight, he just takes every single punch and then, like, one hand knocks him out. He's like a punching bag. He's yeah. just standing there. 
Um, so the cast in this movie, you've got Elvis as Walter Gulick, Gulick from Wiki. Oh, I thought it was Goulet. It's, well, it's G-U-L-I-C-K. Okay, okay. There's a character in here named Joey. Do you know how they spell Joey? Um, by the look on your face, it's not J-O-E-Y. J-O-I-E, according to the subtitles. Is that how you spell like a baby kangaroo Joey or something? No, it's still the same as mine. So that's just a made up movie name. Either that or the uh, subtitles were wrong. There's a point in this movie where somebody checks his watch. It goes, it's 20 to 9. Mm-hmm. And the subtitles say, it's 840. It's like, yeah, that's the same thing. But that's not, that's not what he said. That's incredible. From the wiki plot summary, I just like this. Quote, Walter Gulick arrives. Walter, We'll call him Walter Goulet. Arrives. A young man recently discharged from the army who loves the peaceful setting almost as much as he loves working on old cars. And like that's just how they describe hmm. Elvis. He loves the peaceful setting as much as he loves working on old cars. So I wonder when this movie is... Does we know when it's supposed to take place? I never really caught a year because if it's 62, like... Well, I mean, Elvis was in the military from when to when, from 58 the, to 60. So, like, it's probably right around then, okay. I would imagine. I mean, he's a veteran again. Yeah, it's like the third time, I think. Which I feel like as we guess what these movies are about, we always guess, oh, he's a singer, he's a this, he's a that. Like, we don't guess he's a veteran enough because he's a veteran in every movie. Uh, yeah, I never considered that. Maybe the whole thing was just, you know, like in the movie to clean up his image and sort of pin that on his chest all the time. But remember, Elvis is a vet. He Elvis served the country. Elvis is a vet. We've got Gig Young as Willie Grogan. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Come Fill the Cup and Teacher's Pet. And then he won the Best Supporting Actor for They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Oh, so he I had a pretty decorated career. Him. Lola Albright is Dolly Fletcher. She's best known for the TV series Peter Gunn, where she played the girlfriend nice. of the titular Peter Gunn. Great Joan, theme song. Joan Blackman plays Rose Grogan, who is Elvis's love interest in this, and she was also in Blue Hawaii, if you'll remember her. She played Miley. 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 Yeah. Okay. That. I thought they had chemistry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Bronson, the aforementioned Charles Bronson <laughs> as Lou Nyack. Hey, Elvis, what's going on, Pally? So if you did not know who Charles Bronson was, although I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you know who Charles Bronson is, because like, that's in your demo, like your ages. Like, if you're watching these movies, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're not not familiar with Charles yeah, Bronson. Yeah, and you didn't know about him like I did from Death Wish and right. work backwards. Like, you knew him. But at the peak of his power, he was a number one box office draw and made more than a million dollars a film. Yeah. So this is Amazing. before that, but like, you know, he's still on his way up. But here's the crazy trivia that I said to that. Like, the number one IMDb trivia about this movie Charles Bronson did not speak to Elvis Presley and kept his distance while filming. I don't know why. That's all it says? I don't know if he hated Elvis. I don't know if he was Respect. resentful. I don't know. Mm, I don't I don't know. They 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 are they play well together though. That's what cra- yeah. is crazy. Like yeah. like Bronson can almost play Elvis's dad in the movies kind of thing and they have a very good rapport. I love like their characters and stuff. So like that's wild. Maybe Bronson was just that kind of guy. He's like, hey, I'm acting and then I'm not. Leave me alone. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Uh, David Lewis as Otto Danzig was best known for a character he played on General Hospital for 15 years. And then the only mm. other actor really of note, I think, is Ed Asner in his film debut. Yeah. And he is the most honored male performer in the history of the Emmys, having won seven Emmy Awards, five for Lou Grant on Mary Tyler Moore. And then two in a spinoff series, Lou Grant. So nice, he's won nice. seven Emmys. I also love that there's a character named Danzig in this movie. Yeah. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Otto Danzig. Listening to some misfits today. Um, okay. Oh, boy. So Kid Galahad. After completing <laughs> his military service, Walter Goulet mm-hmm. takes a job as a sparring partner at a gym, the owner of which sees potential in him as a professional fighter and takes him under his wing. 
I can't believe it, it. We didn't even guess it was taking place like in medieval times with that name Galahad at well, all. We knew from the DVD art. It, it he was, was a little boxer spoiled, yeah. and a guitar player. Yeah, it's true. Spoiler does not pick up a guitar in this movie. That's true. He's a mechanic and a guitar player. Right. I mean, a mechanic and, and a, a boxer. boxer and a singer. And he's a also Elvis. Yeah. Wild stuff, you know. Like you also left out the point that. Elvis grew up in this very small... He was born in this small town, but at 14 months, he was made an orphan. Both of his parents passed away, and he was, like, raised down south by relatives. And he's like, when I got out of the army, I always wanted to come back here someday and he do something. He loves Valley. Yeah, and he's like, I had to make my way back there. And and everyone's like, no one wants to come here. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing here? I will say, that I think my favorite part of this is that it feels like I... I like that it's set in, like, fall. Like, it seems like it's a mm-hmm. cool time of the year and a upstate. cool location, upstate, like, Catskills. And, like, it just, it it feels nice. Yeah, I wish he picked up an axe and became a lumberjack. Like, that would have been cool. Like, Mandy Elvis. I think this is my least favorite Elvis movie so far. It's wild, Joey. Like, I know with every fiber of my being, this is not a good movie, but I was having a lot of fun with it. Like, I ended up enjoying it maybe just because, like, Elvis... You know, on one level, but then Charles Bronson shows up. Uh, there's not that many songs. <laughs> I missed you half an hour into this movie. I'm like, I have no idea what this movie's about. That was a half hour in? Yeah. I thought you had just started it. No, no, no. Like, it, you know, I, I I vaguely knew, but it just like, there's so many characters and like, it, it's not like, it doesn't really get the, pl- it's setting things up. Yeah. But it doesn't really get the plot going. Right. In a way until like he starts boxing. Th- there's too much to set up. Like Elvis wants to be a mechanic. He starts fixing a new car. Yep. He needs money. So he becomes a sparring partner for this guy. But yep. then it turns out, you know, he's got a bowling ball for a head and like a lead fist. Mm-hmm. So then he becomes, you know. Uh, a wonder kid boxer thing but also there's like the guy running the boxing camp is involved with the mob like real deep like this guy is like is he involved or he just owes money well he is a degenerate gambler so they have this whole plot where they're gonna like set up Elvis without telling him to take the fall and lose the final match it's the butch thing in Pulp Fiction essentially but but Elvis is not in on it yeah yeah on the waterfront kind of came to mind at times that kind of just like taking the fix you know, being the fall guy, all that kind of thing. Right. So there's just, and then there's all the romance stuff. Well, so like, so there's, there's for most of this, for about half this movie, there's one woman, right? There's uh, the character played by yeah. Dolly Fletcher, or uh, the, by Lola Albright, Dolly Fletcher, who is Willie Grogan's girl. Yeah, they're engaged yeah. for like years. And then I'm like, oh, this can't fly because like literally everyone else on screen is a dude. Yeah. And then I'm like, who's Elvis going to get in a rom- like a romance with? Because like he has to. And then, you know, Willie uh, Willie Grogan's sister shows up. I'm like, okay, there we go. There's mm-hmm. the other there's the other girl for him to fall in love with. And, you know, he does and they get married. So, yeah, I mean, it's very, you know straightforward like it didn't even need to be there for the most part yeah um and if you wanted it there you know dial down some of the other stuff there's a lot of training there's like they do that thing in in rocky three where they like charge to come watch elvis train as a boxer and stuff i guess they did that in real life too must have is this town this town is like based on a boxing economy it seems like right Kind of? I guess so. Or is it just like where they are, like their little commune or whatever? It kind of reminded me of what it must have been like for like um, 
you know, wrestlers when they used to go to Canada and study at like Bret Hart's father's dungeon and everything. He would just have like a compound and house like wrestlers that he would train for months and months and then they would go off and like mm-hmm. play the circuit. It's, it kind of felt like that. Like people would come in and out of this place. It was just sort of like you go upstate to the boxing academy, you learn the ropes and then like you go become a boxer. Right. But if you're like good enough, they also have promoters and right. things like that to set you up better. The movie begins with the song King of the Whole Wide World, which is over the title credits as Elvis is sitting on the back of that moving truck, and he's singing to himself as the world zooms by. He is the king yeah. of the whole wide world, even though it seems this, like he has nothing. This is way before Titanic. This is way King of the World stuff. Like, I wonder if James Cameron... <laughs> I'm the king of the world? <laughs> ...checked this out one day and was like, that's a great line. Uh, but he gets to upper, he gets to Cream Valley, and I, the thing I noticed is that like this movie kind of feels... Not unfinished, but it feels like there's like they didn't layer in sound at any point. Like there's so much oh. of this movie that's really quiet. So I think we're gonna notice that for the rest of just most cheap, of the, cheap movies. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about how fast they turn these out. Um, they had to come out quick, and yeah, you have to cut corners and skim all kinds of things. I'm sure at the time these were more or less considered like independent productions, like very low budget kind of things. You know, maybe along the lines of like when they used to produce serials in the 40s of, like, Sherlock Holmes, and mm-hmm. they made, like, 50 Sherlock Holmes movies or, right. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Probably going for that thing. So Elvis is so desperate for money and for work and just, like, has nothing going for him that he decides to take money or work as a sparring partner for $5 a round. So he'll basically yeah. be, like, a dummy, like, because he's not training. He's just there for people to, sh- like, to box against. And five dollars around in nineteen sixty two is basically fifty bucks now. So like, oh. hey, get beat up for like three for fifty bucks for like three or five minutes. It's like, mm, okay, I guess that's I like suppose. that's that can't be your only source of income. No, I guess not. But you know, I guess he's taking it day by day. What I really liked about this whole thing is that like he doesn't even want to be a boxer. Like he just is good at it, but he wants to be the mechanic. You know, he fixes up that old car and everything. So he's like, yeah, this is just like my. You know, until I get enough money to quit boxing and then open up my own garage. And everyone around him is like, but, like, no one's better. How can you just, like, quit like that? Right. (laughs) And, like, people, when when they're watching him get beat up for the first time, they're like, is this – this sort of thing is legal? And someone says, you don't need a license to be stupid, which I think is a pretty good line. That scene is brutal. Like, we see bloody Elvis. Yeah. We see him a lot, but, like, I didn't expect that much that early. And – It was almost comical how many hits he took to the face. (laughs) Because, again, he's not blocking. He's not trying to block. He's just standing there with, like, gloves at his waist. Just like, all right, do your thing. You remember in, uh, like, Punch-Out when you'd fight, like, Last Joe? And it's just like, boom, 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 boom. It was just like Punch-Out. Yeah, except Last Joe knocks you out in one punch. Except, right, the reverse twist. Because then he delivers the one-punch knockout. Joey's knocked out cold. They're like, wait, what? Hold on. What happened? Yeah, I love that. Everyone's stunned. I love that in every movie. When that ever happens, where all of a sudden the the entire crowd's like, wait a second, we got something here. Yeah. Then there's the song. The second song in the movie is called This Is Living. This is 20 minutes into the movie. It's sung by everyone else the night that he knocked Joey out. They're all just singing on the steps. It's just like a dude with a guitar and then like 15 boxers in training. And they're all just singing because they're all just boys will be boys. And Elvis is there, and he just turns around, and all of a sudden, even though he's the newcomer, is singing lead in the song. Yeah. And they're all singing backup. They're harmonizing backup for him. So this this was pretty wild, where it was just, yeah, yeah back, there's just not a lot to do. I guess, like, all these guys also, 
like are awesome singers and they're just they formed a band while they were at boxing camp and then when elvis joins in it's almost it felt like almost he was like freestyling yeah that's how the movie like plays it out where it's like we're gonna just like lay down this background track and like anytime you want to jump in sort of just like the blues like just got anything to say you know I think what the funniest line in the movie is to me is at the end of that song, they look at him and they're like, you can sing too? It's like, well, yeah, he's Elvis. But like they know him as a boxer and a wannabe mechanic, but they're like, oh my God, this guy can sing. It's like, well, yeah, that's why we're making the movie. But also it's just funny that like there's like, I guess it's kind of meta in a way, right? Like it's... Oh, I see. That's the joke. I can't believe that this guy can sing too. It's like, that's literally kind of all he can do. Like he can actually box. He's not really a mechanic, but he's a great singer and dancer, right? Like, yeah, that's why I'm flummoxed every movie. He doesn't just walk into town and be like, hey, I'm a, I'm a great singer. Like, is there a bar around or like some kind of nightclub where I can make some money? I, we, I, I don't know if we talked about it in this podcast or not, but Jim Gaffigan has that joke about like, there's every movie with Halle Berry. It's just like, why don't you get work as a model? Because you look like Halle Berry. <laughs> yeah. Like you should never be struggling in a movie because you you look like Halle Berry. It's like Elvis can sing and dance and play the guitar. Like, why are you ever struggling for work? That's got to come up at some point. <laughs> Bronson says about E, quote, he's the kind of guy you hit on the chin, nothing disconnects. Like, basically, he's just a brick with nothing going for him. Yeah. But he'll take a punch. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Elvis, it's weird how he plays, not like dim, but like naive, definitely, like a lot, you know? Because like in here, he's like, they're like, you could block, you know? And he's like, oh, okay, sure. Right. I didn't know that. Like, how did you know that? Like, you know, like, left trigger on the controller does something, right? Oh, okay, cool. I got it. I didn't know if <laughs> I was allowed to thing. use it or not. Like, have you tried turning it off and turning it back yeah. on? But then this is the point. I guess it's, you know, about half an hour in maybe when Willie's sister shows up. And why is he, why does he lie to her about his fiance? So I have a theory. Okay. Because later he gets really pissed at Elvis. So he's in love with the sister, you yep. think? Okay. Because <laughs> it's a running theme in these movies. Incest. <laughs> and his fiance is so mad at him, and she's just and. Oh, that's the best because because Elvis just met Rose and is like, "Well, she's gonna marry her right away." Yeah. And then this guy's fiance is like, "You know, it's been seven years or some shit." Right. Like, what the hell? At least he pulled the trigger. <laughs> and his bro- uh, her brother. Willie says she's just a baby, a protected baby. Okay. And then that's when Dolly is like, babies aren't built like that, which I don't know if that means like she's beautiful. I don't know if that means that she's like, like I don't know what that means. I, I just think, thought babies aren't built like that is a very funny line. I think that's the proto don't put baby in the corner. Maybe. Kind of which is also in the cat skills. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Right? And that's so, covered this week on High School Summer Party. Brian whoa. and Kyle are going through Dirty Dancing. It's the that, 35th anniversary this week. And there's so. just some news about the resort that that was based Burned on, down. unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. but uh, The next song in the movie is Riding the Rainbow. This is when... Okay. This makes no sense. <laughs> right? So, like, you know in modern parlance when there's, like, a boxer, like, they're treated like a god, like, they're, like, pampered on whatever, but Elvis is fighting in a match, and he's driving Charles Bronson <laughs> to the ring. Well, I have, a, I think I have an explanation for this. Elvis, at this point, has fixed up his car real nice. I'm not sure if he painted it red yet, and that was a Cajun action, red red car. Mm-hmm. Not quite a sports car, because it's an old like Model T. So I think it's like they couldn't stop him from driving this car. He just loves cars. And he loves this car, and he fixed it up himself, so he's very proud. And Charles Bronson's like, let the boy have his car. Yeah. And the promoter guy is just like... This is this is this sucks. It's gonna take forever to get there. So he's singing "Riding the Rainbow" as they're driving to the match. And I also like how he fixed the radio. 
so that he could sing along to the radio of again. And, this, and he turns like the radio up and he's like, hey, check this out. <laughs> well, I feel like him singing the songs on the radio is going to happen once a movie from here on out. Because it's happened, I think, a couple of movies in a row. We're just like, yeah. oh, there's a song on the radio. Oh, you guys are singing a song? Let me let me join in. Man, I'm a little mad that like Edgar Wright didn't include that in Baby, Baby Driver at some point. Like He didn't watch any Elvis movies and draw from them. I'm sure he's watched Elvis movies. He might just not, not have drawn from them. <laughs> Elvis then does his one-hit thing again in front of a crowd. He has now won 18 matches in a row. I think most of those are probably like sparring or whatever, but he's oh, won yeah. 18 matches in a row all by knockout, all the single punch. So someone calls him Lamb Eyes at the first fight. Okay. I thought that was funny. Um, it's televised. So like everybody in the country yeah, yeah, yeah. sees like this debut. That was cool. Um, I like the way it was shot. Like I don't, I haven't watched a lot of boxing movies. I've watched you know modern ones and Rocky and stuff. But like I thought it was shot really well. Like there's a lot of in ring handheld kind of stuff, and like maybe 3D was on the mind too. And they're because kind of they're trading punching. blows in a, in a good way. Like it yeah. feels like they're you know they could have cheaped out on the boxing. I think and they they didn't. Yeah. And then my final thing was like he delivered an EKO. Ooh, love that. An Elvis knockout. Love that. Uh, this is when he then tells. Willie, that he and his sister are going to get married. Not Elvis and his sister, but Elvis and Willie's sister are going to get married. Elvis and I'm going to marry my sister. And Willie says, my sister isn't marrying any meatball. Which is also kind of, I, I sent you one of the, the mm-hmm. art for this, and I didn't even think about that, but like, he's like snapping in this one picture, but it looks like he's doing like the Italian thing, like the, the fingers, like the, like the new emoji, and it looks like he's saying like, that's a spicy meatball, but like, he's called the meatball in this movie just because he's like, literally a sack of meat that like, has no actual like, abilities or skills other than he can take a punch. Yeah, yeah, that took me a minute for that insult to register properly, you know, because I thought, I thought it was like a slur, funny. but. I mean, it might be, but it's more just like, he's just a sack of meat. Then we get to the stuff where the mob wants Elvis to take they, – that they're trying to convince Willie to get Elvis to take a dive. They're like, you bet big on them. Mm-hmm. You're going to walk away with money. And I think they're like, oh, this kid's never going to go for it. Yeah, they do some convoluted thing where they uh, want to replace the cut man so Elvis bleeds out too much and they break Charles Bronson's hands. They brutalize him. <laughs> like his hands are like wildly mangled. They broke my hands, Elvis. He's also my walking like pigeon toed earlier. Like they're like he's just kind of like a gimpy, like beat uh-huh. up guy that we're supposed to sympathize for. I think he's like um like a Mickey, you know, like hey Mick. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's like that kind of guy. We get a shot of Willie's fiance in a bra, which I was like, this feels kind of like sexual in a way that I was not ready for. Like there's a scene, yes, entire scene down. where they're, com- they're having a conversation, and she's just like in a bra. I'm like, oh, very risque. And then also there's that scene where Elvis takes Rose to the mechanic and shows him his car and they look under the hood, mm-hmm. like very, you know, car and sex kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's around that time when he's he's singing to Rose as they walk around outside. They sing a whistling tune, which is the song that I said was supposed to be in the last one. Yes. Oh, wait. No, we, no. we missed it. He goes to the 4th of July, right? We missed a song. Maybe... Yeah, because this is I got. There's a song I got lucky, which I didn't put, didn't put above. But this is where he's singing to Willie's sister in front of the entire town. Yeah, he sings to her three songs in a row. Yeah. and I think that's the best song in the movie. I got lucky, even though it's not like organically mm-hmm. just like singing to her. I think this is like easily because it it feels like a lot of the other songs in the movie. Like I was saying, the quietness it just feels unfit. Like this just feels mm-hmm. like oh, this is like a showcase for this song. Yeah, we're gonna make sure this looks and sounds good. 
that was also where I noticed that the guy who's sort of the chef at the boxing place looks a lot like the colonel because he's like complaining about the meal or something like mm. that. And then later, there's another guy involved with the promotion who's big and looks like the colonel too. So, well, and you also saw the colonel in the credits. Yeah, colonel's uh, some kind of consulting producer or something. Right. So he's getting paid an individual salary in addition to taking half of Elvis's salary. He probably made more money on oh, this than Elvis did. Remember, he kept that whole list where he's like, I drove you to the fair that first day. You owe me 20 cents. Yep. <laughs> Uh, then also, I Got Lucky plays again over the closing credits. Oh, right. I noticed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the whistling song was just odd. I was just like, really? I would rather not have another song, I guess, and just more fighting and more story and plot. But then again, like, I guess I'm here for the wrong reason <laughs> at this point. Well, that's the thing. Like, this is a very short, because some of these movies have felt like, like the last one I think was almost two hours long. Mm-hmm. This is an hour 35. Yeah. And feels a little pet, um, more than a little pet. But like, that's the thing. They're putting songs in to sell the EP, mm-hmm. which people are going to see Elvis sing. We're watching Elvis to not sing. I know. That's so bizarre at this point, though, because because we want to see him sing, but like, uh, not like not really like this. Like I thought it was gonna be everybody starts spontaneously dancing, not right. everyone just like starts listening to him. Right. It does feel like, hey, let's take a pause in the movie. Like there's right, the movie right. Death Drug where Philip Michael Thomas made the movie. Do you know Death Drug? Yeah. Where it's about him get his character gets addicted to Angel Dust, PCP, and he like has like a life his life falls apart. Yes. But he financed that movie himself because he wanted to be a musician. And nobody would give him the time of day. So he made an entire movie. And halfway through that movie, the movie stops and he sings a song on the piano as Philip Michael Thomas. And then we return to the movie. But it feels like that, but like on a bigger scale because mm-hmm. nobody's seen Death Drug. But this is like, wait, Elvis, we need Elvis to sing a song. Like, why are we, why are we seeing a movie where he's a boxer? I want yeah. to sing a song to a pretty girl. It's like, oh, okay. So like, let's p- pump the brakes on the movie. See, like, because like what would have been so great is like the old kind of but not even old at this point, but like that sort of more Bubsy Berkeley kind of style where like Elvis starts singing in the ring and then you have like a whole bunch of like, um, you know, dancing boxing guys yeah. and that, and then the card girls come up and everything. I, I don't no. think that they, like, I don't think anybody gave these movies the time of day in terms of creativity, right? It's right, like, all right, right, so we got Elvis as a singing boxer. All right, let's just do it. You're right. You're right. It's just basically let's take scripts and, and jam these songs in there. The, the the single from this movie was King of the Whole Wide World, that first song he sings. Makes sense. Which hit number 30 in the Hot 100. The EP, the six-song EP, was certified gold by the RIAA. Um, on Spotify, if you want to listen to the, the songs that are in this movie, they're on Come On Everybody and I Got Lucky. They're just like the, the actual King Kid Galahad EP is not on Spotify, but Come right. On Everybody and I Got Lucky is there. The interesting thing of note is that Dolores Fuller, who wrote the song I Got Lucky... Uh, wrote songs for several Elvis movies, mm-hmm. but she was dating and was in several movies of Ed, Ed Wood. Ed Yep. <laughs> that's a great... Pretty cool. Great trivia. I love that. Pretty, pretty cool. There's also a song that's listed on IMDb called Love is for Lovers that I don't think is in this movie. Hmm. Because I was like, because I, you know, I copy the songs. I'm like, I want to make sure that we, we cover when they get to each. And I don't remember hearing that. Yeah, I don't know. It's not It's not sung by Elvis. Like, it's it, it just, it's mm. written by, there's no performed by. So maybe it's... Well, you know that it wasn't wasn't one of the other characters. Wasn't she supposed to be like she's like they're like she has an amazing voice. She's a singer too, but she never sings a song. Maybe so. Maybe they were planning a song for her, but they were like, wait a minute, this isn't That's about her. Hearing, it's about yeah. Elvis. Yeah, yeah. 
if she's going to sing, we're going to do a duet. And they don't even do a duet. Like, it's just him singing. Yeah. It's weird, too. Like, I love now just thinking about the reaction shots out of context. Like, they just cut to people watching Elvis sing, and they just have, like, this look in their eye. Like, what? How should I react? Right. (laughs) So, boy. So, okay. By this point in the movie, Elvis is a real fighter. He's, like, blocking and stuff. Charles Bronson's hands have been brutally beaten and broken. Um, Elvis, in response, roughs up, I think, the mobsters. Like, the main guy is left, but he's just trying to defend Charles Bronson. And then we get to the fight of the movie where it's Kid Galahad versus Sugar Boy Romano. And this is kind of like a big spectacle. And like Mm -hmm. For a movie that feels cheap, I think what you were saying before, this doesn't really feel that cheap. No. It almost feels like they spent everything here. Like, they waited till the end. Um, But I can understand how this would be costly to do. You know, I think that's why we got the montage at that one point, because it's like, well, why film like four or five fights when we could just take a day and have Elvis knock out five guys, six guys and do it like that. So when they actually like I do like that first fight, too. And I like this this last fight a lot as well. So at least they didn't skimp on that. And then surprise, surprise, Elvis wins the fight, wins a lot of money. Enough to own his own garage and live happily and get with married. his girl. Now, know? correct me if I'm wrong, but he knocks the guy out by punching him in the stomach or something, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember. Maybe. Okay. I also love the scene where they go to the church and they're like, we're thinking about getting married. And the guy like interviews them. And he's like, what makes you think you two should get married? Yeah. And it's like, well, those are those days are over. <laughs> right. But yeah, I like this ending. I like Elvis's knockout. I thought the fight was a lot of fun. It was, it was a good job there at the end. At least, it, you know. It wrapped up well. Oh, it, it so, is breezy though. Like I appreciate. Yeah. Like I did not like this movie very much. I think that it's. I again, it might be my least favorite. It's not bad. Like they're all about the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess just, that's the problem. It's the one where like okay, like I I might remember more. Oh, this is the boxing movie with Charles Bronson, but like. That's it. I I don't know. I get that too. Yeah, I mean, none of them. Are, I have a feeling, unfortunately, are ever going to peak over King Creole Mountain, uh, but you know. We got there once. We might get there again. I mean, we have, like, Viva Las Vegas. I don't know if it's a good movie, but it seems like it's a big movie. It's got. It's the one with Anne Margaret, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the colonel was upset that, like, it's the first time he had an actual co-star. And uh, he's like, I don't want Elvis co-star with no one ever again. Yeah. Oh, so there's one more cage moment I wanted to yeah, yeah, yeah. bring up. Because um, you mentioned the red car. Yeah. So when Charles Bronson gets his hands broke, Elvis comes out, and he's wearing... A white tank top, undershirt, and blue jeans. All right. And he looks just like Cage from Con Air, minus the long-ass mullet. Like, I was like, oh, Cage. And then he also wears this Jay Leno, you know, denim tuxedo in this as well. Uh, You know, the denim shirt, the denim pants, all that. Yeah. Love that. Uh, Any other notes about Kid Galahad? Uh, not really. Yeah. I thought. Well, I thought Elvis made a good boxer. Like I, it, he he was very uh, convincing and authentic, and actually reminded me of Stallone from time to time. You know, they almost have like a same sort of. You know, they they both have these thick accents. They both have like these interesting, you know, handsome faces, uh, and they both did boxing movies. I can totally see somebody calling Elvis the Stallion, right? Yeah, yeah. Not maybe not the Italian Stallion, but no. Stallion. Mm-hmm. This is another one of the movies, I think this and the last movie might, might be the only ones from here on out where he doesn't have his hair dyed black. Again, it's that kind of dirty mm. blonde. Good call. So, yeah, and I noticed it's not quite as long. They couldn't get like that ducktail the way they usually do. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't play along. Taglines for this movie, there are two. Presley packs the screen's biggest wallop with the gals, with the gloves, with the guitar. Spoiler, Weird. again, does not play the guitar. Weird. Packs a wallop. 
Okay. With, mm-hmm. with Screen's biggest wallop. With the gloves. Gals, gloves, guitar. Hmm. Single gal, one gal. Gloves, sure. Guitar, no. No, no guitar. And the other tagline is, Elvis comes out swinging like you've never seen him before, which today, okay. different meaning. <laughs> I didn't put that together immediately, but no, I mean, that's a much better tagline. What is? What do you think the best song? The, do you think it's "I Got Lucky" is the best song in the movie? Probably, just because like they all sort of just blended together for the most part for me in this one. It's weird that like we were told again that all these movies are musicals. I guess this is a musical. It feels more like a movie where songs are in it. Yeah, where the character sings songs. It's not a musical. I don't know if there's a distinction yet. But I think the issue is what I said before: is that like they're just songs that have nothing to do with this movie. Like they're just writing love songs and they're just dropping them in movies to sell discs. Which I understand that's kind of the point of this. Yeah, but how great would it have been if Elvis had a song about boxing, where he's like, yeah. I, "I put on my gloves, I lay small up," like you know, jaw shove, of stone. Jaw of stone would be good, or, or a song about fixing cars. You know, yeah. my carburetor, or like fixing up an engine. Because again, you know? it's I, I don't want to undersell what songwriting was like or what pop songwriting is like. But how hard would it be for someone on set to just be like, all right, he's a guitar sing, he's a he's a boxer, he's a guitar kind of good. Uh, all right, like, give me 45 minutes, I'll have a song for you. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah, it's like he's in love with the guy's sister. Okay, song about that, you know? Right. But I Got Lucky is not better than Can't Help Falling in Love, right? No, oh, no. So that's still the best song. In an Elvis movie so far, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being absolutely natural, one being I can't believe they keep stopping the movie for these songs. <laughs> how natural, how forced are the songs? As a reminder, follow that dream, we gave a 3 out of 10. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty bad. Like, you know, I can understand him taking a walk with his girlfriend and starting to, like, serenade her. I'll give him, like, the whistle song, all right, something like that. But, you know, just sort of hanging out after dinner and we're all going to get around and just start singing right. or, or more singing to the radio. That's the other thing. It's like, if you're going to weirdly jam things in, don't do the same way you jam things in in the last movie. Well, that's what they're doing because they're like, this is how we do it. Like, we we did it last time. We got to do it again. It's a trope. if the last movie was a three, is this better or worse than a three? Or is it still also a three? probably equal. Still a three. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine what a one's going to be like, but this still isn't there. Okay. So, we thought Kid Galahad... You said simply, he's Kid Galahad, a boxer. Elvis is a contender, which, sure, like, yeah. But not not enough. <laughs> I said he's a boxer, but what he really wants to be is a, be is a musician, which he has no aspirations toward music at all. He yeah. just can sing, right? He starts trying to throw fights to get out of boxing, which he doesn't. They want him to, but accident, keeps accidentally winning. The accidentally winning thing is true, but it's, mm-hmm. the, the context is, is framed around is not right at all. So I don't think either of us really got Kid Galahad right. No. But the next movie we have up, the last one from 1962, the third of three, is Girls, 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 hmm. with an exclamation point after each. Oh, man. I will tell oh, you... I have an idea. ...that this is by far the lowest rated movie Uh-oh. on IMDb. It's Uh-oh. a 5.5. It's also the lowest rated movie so far on Letterboxd. I mean, there might be worse ones to come. I don't know. But of the uh, 11, not counting Baz Luhrmann's thing... This will be the 11th original Elvis movie. This is the lowest rated on both IMDb and Letterboxd, which does not bode well. Hmm. But what do you think Girls, Girls, Girls is All right. about? This is what I hope it's about. I mean, it's probably not. And I don't know. This one I really don't know. Um, We're not even looking at the DVD case this time. Yeah, no, I didn't accidentally even look at it. Okay, so Elvis just got back from the military, got back from the service. Cheating? Okay, fine. How's that cheating? It's Come not. On. 
And he's got a really hard luck with love. Like maybe he lost his war bride or something like that. And he comes back and she's with someone else. And so he ends up starting a dating service. And he calls it Girls, Girls, Girls. And it's for lonely men. And it's like, it's sort of like that one show where they had the pickup artist, you know, and Elvis teaches them how to date. So the pickup artist was Mr. E, Mr. E. He's Mr. E. Yeah. So here we go. I might be on to something. Um, And then what ends up happening is Elvis sets up someone, but he ends up liking her. So it's about trying to sort of win her over from the guy that he set her up with. I think that could be it. Um, But I don't know if it's going to be. But that that would be nice. That's wild story. And then he gets married at the end. (laughs) I just had to rewatch American Pie for 1999 on the podcast, which... oof. Uh, but Jason Biggs sends up like this ancient 1992 or 2000 or 1990. Jesus, I can't get the year right, even though it's in the podcast title. But he sets up his 1999 dating profile. Also, we just watched Magnolia and John C. Riley sets up his 1999. But like that's the call by like the the, the mm-hmm. leave a message on the answering machine thing. Um, a 1960s dating service. I mean, it had to exist, but. And maybe like the original, maybe it was a brand new thing. This movie invented the concept of dating. Services. Well, not that it invented it, but it was like, hey, maybe this is a phase. We ought to like make a movie out of this. It might not be around um, much longer. I'm going to say I, I thought of this. I don't know how I don't know how you make a movie around this. But I'm going to say once again, he is an up and coming. He's an aspiring musician because, of course, he is. I'm not. I, I'm not going to take the military thing. I don't let you have that. I don't want to make the same guess as you, even <laughs> though I, if he's a military guy, that's totally fair. He's an aspiring musician who is becoming increasingly popular, but he's dealing with the fame. And there's girls that like they make his life tough. I don't think he ever plays gay. Too many groupies, you mean? Like yeah, like he can't go anywhere. I feel like that's also too meta, like the like the downside no. of fame. What what else could girls, girls, girls mean? He's got to deal dating, with a bunch of girls. He's dating three girls, and he got to keep them away from each other. I mean, oh, that, so it's like the other suck. the other woman, the other women that that uh, movie with Jamie oh. Lannister and Kate <laughs> Upton and Leslie Mann and <laughs> yes, Cameron Diaz, where they're all dating him. That would be insane. That's what, that's what I, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, no, no, I can't do that. That was your idea. That doesn't matter. You, you know, girls, it. girls, girls. It doesn't give you much, you know? It doesn't give you much. It's not like Hard to Kill. Like, you know what you're going to get from a Seagal movie when they name it Hard to Kill. Well, you know what you're going to get from a Seagal <laughs> yes, movie but, just by the fact that this is a, this is a, it's a Seagal you, movie. But you really know what you're going to get. Yeah, I'm just gonna say it's about him dealing with the pressures of fame and having too many girls and not knowing what to do with them all and like falling in love with one but then falling in love with another and trying to find the right one. I, I see I see it because they're doing more they're sneaking that stuff in like they did in this, like, I can't believe you have such a great voice and like, you know, duh, he's Elvis. So like maybe they're gonna try and sneak more of his like actual life into some of these movies. Yeah. And then the colonel might be like, No, no, no. People don't wanna see the real Elvis. Right. <laughs> So yeah, like I said, the next movie it has a 5.5, Girls, 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 5.5 on IMDb, a 2.7 on Letterboxd. Oof. It's been seen by almost twice as many people as this movie and three times as many people as Follow That Dream, so it's more popular for some reason, hmm. but people don't like oh, it. maybe because it's more available. Could we talk about that for a minute with sure. this movie? So 
you can't stream this, rent this, or kind of buy this movie right now, as far as I could tell. I okay. had, this was one of the movies I had to get a uh, Region 2 DVD of oh. at the time we started this process. This was in some seven-movie pack that I bought, okay. which is basically a, a three-pack and a four-pack bundled together, which seems weird. But it's also in the same four-pack as as follow that dream so like it's the oh, same good. okay yeah so it's out there yeah right. I, I mean was it was concerned. i don't know if it's still i don't know if it's still is. so you know it's all these like it happened a lot with nicholas cage movies like people ask every once in a while like how do you how do you guys watch this and it's like oh because we bought them all but like the boy in blue if you have the blu-ray which i don't know if you bought the blu-ray or the no, dvd i have the dvd the blu-ray is out of print now and like the cheapest one on amazon who knows if they're selling for this or not the cheapest one on Amazon is like $125. Oh, I know. It's insane. It's all like that on eBay, too, with out-of-print DVDs and Blu-rays. That's why I had to go Region 2 for some things. Like like the Brothers Grimm, for instance, we talked about way earlier. Like, trying to get a copy of that five, six years ago is like, good luck. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it, it's just what happens, right, with, with movie rights, but it's still a bummer. So, uh, any news about Riley Keough that you've seen? Uh, I don't think I have. No. So, all right. No. Any other thoughts about this movie before we uh, wrap up? Uh, it was cool to see Elvis as a boxer. Yes. And, uh, yeah, that's that. Cool. <laughs> Go to cageclub.me slash shows for all the other things that we do. How to Win the Lottery was recently featured by Apple Podcasts in the For the Love of Literature section, which is very cool. Right, we got a couple applause. of good episodes out now. Congratulations. Thank you. And this upcoming episode, this upcoming Thursday, we're talking, uh, it's about literally Show Me a Healthy Person by Darcy Wilder, mm. which is a great book. And then we're talking to Darcy. We already we already talked to Darcy, but like her interview comes out next week. Nice. Um, so back to back with those, which is pretty cool. We're in the internet module. Every Tuesday is Too Fast, Too Forever. And every other Monday is 1999 the podcast the next one coming out is oh 10 things i hate about you or is that already out i can't remember no that's coming out it might be out now it's coming out monday the 22nd so very soon all right um and then what do you got uh third time's a charm the third of every month is the third movie in a film franchise let's see i've got the uncle francis's wine cellar with Brian Rodriguez and myself, and yeah. we are. The next episode will be the Godfather movie. We're going to do that theatrical as our version. First, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. we're just going to take it from the original cut uh, first off. So that'll be out soon. Don't have a specific release date for that yet. The last Friday of every month, I do the Monsters That Made Us with Dan Cologne, where we are going through the history of the Universal Monster movies. Mm-hmm. And Joey and I have several, several podcasts going along, aside from this one, which are currently available, including Cage Club, which. The unbearable way to massive talent, right? Until the next one, that's out there. Yes, that's out there. Cool. We got uh, the the newest Hanks movie you've already heard. The newest yeah, Cruise movie Elvis. is Top Gun Maverick. Mm-hmm. I think that comes out on digital very soon. So I think it's out like this, this Tuesday. Week. Yeah, 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 yeah. So while this is very out, exciting, awesome, cool. Uh, again, cageclub.me slash shows for that. Email in mailbag at cageclub.me or king at cageclub.me they both come in here and again leave reviews on apple Podcasts because they're so nice thank you for doing that i'm joey lewandowski and i'm mike manzi do we have a sign off for this uh, thank you very much for listening oh thank you very much never found a four-leaf clover to bring good luck to me no rabbit's foot no lucky star no magic wishing tree but i got lucky i got lucky yes i got lucky, lucky when i found you